and welcome. You are listening to the Healing After Birth podcast. This is Jennifer Sommerfeld from JS Coaching, author and creator of the Healing After Birth program. This podcast is for you if you can relate to any of the following statements. Are you a mother who is struggling in the postpartum? Did you have a difficult, challenging, or traumatic childbirth experience? Do you want to learn more about postpartum mental health? Do you want to cultivate healthy, thriving relationships? And do you want to take charge of your healing journey? This podcast includes both interviews by professionals in the field of maternal health, as well as vulnerable stories shared by everyday mothers like you. Let's begin. Hello, and welcome back to the Healing After Birth podcast. This is Jennifer Sommerfeld, your host, creator, and founder of the Healing After Birth program and book. On today's podcast, I have with me Jill Culver, and Jill has over 20 years of experience working alongside families during their childbearing year. She is a counselor in a private practice specializing in the emotional challenges that can accompany pregnancy, childbirth, and early parenting. Jill has experience working with families around mood issues, pregnancy and infant loss, traumatic childbirth, childbirth fear, intrusive thoughts, and postpartum adjustment. Jill's previous roles include birth and postpartum doula, pregnancy outreach counselor, mental health counselor, and most recently, a perinatal social worker at the Victoria General Hospital in British Columbia, Canada. Jill holds a master's degree in social work from the University of British Columbia, and she offers in-person counseling in Victoria and around the world by Skype or phone. Jill can be reached at jill.culver at me.com or through her website, www.jillculver.ca. And she speaks and runs workshops on mental health topics for doulas, birth workers, and midwives. So I would like to welcome Jill to our episode today. And I'm really excited about the kind of conversation that we're going to have. Hello, Jill. Hello, Jennifer. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being here. And, you know, Jill, you and I have a really similar history. Do, I'm, sure right? you... <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you picked up on I that. actually think our voices are similar. Like the listeners can guess like can comment on whether or not that's true but I think yeah sort of doing the same thing in different areas of the uh of the country for sure yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I would agree Mm -hmm. so we'll just sit here and um kind of bask (laughs) our therapeutic voices (laughs) yeah love on each other for sure yeah Wonderful, wonderful. So, you know, uh, Jill, I am just really curious to hear from you about your experience in this field, because, you know, we don't get this opportunity very often to speak with other perinatal professionals, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and especially those of us who have also worked as birth workers. So there's a real combination of the two that I think adds a really nice richness to the services that we offer. So... So let's begin with my first introductory question so that our listeners can get to know who you are and what inspired you 20 years ago Mm -hmm. to uh, begin this journey in this um, area of service and study. Mm -hmm. Well, I think like many women, I don't know, you know, when and where or if you did doula training, but I think if you're in a doula training, you look around the room and most people have young babies or they're pregnant. And I think that that's and for me that was definitely what opened my eyes to the fact that this is a significant stage and a significant event in people's lives when they you know pee on a stick and realize things are gonna things are gonna get real really quick and um or however they find out that they're pregnant and so (laughs) so Mm -hmm. I remember being as I think many people are just really hungry to learn as much as I possibly could about um, pregnancy and birth and early parenthood and what was going, um, you know, what I could expect and what had worked for other people and all that sort of, you know, cause it's fairly overwhelming um, to know that you're this, there's this impending event that you only have a certain amount of time to prepare for. 
So, and then mm-hmm. I, I remember distinctly realizing, I think, so my, my oldest son is uh, 23 years old. So we're going back some time here and I was living in Ontario and it was just as midwifery was becoming legal in Ontario. Mm-hmm. I was living uh, in a town called Peterborough and I remember going to a meeting. I didn't have a birth with a midwife because they weren't available at that time. And I remember uh, going to a meeting and meeting the people who were going to be coming to that town to practice as midwives and were going to open their practice. And I remember just thinking, I am, I am one of them. Um, you mm. know, this is the work that I want to do. And, and I want to, my passion for learning about that, like I think often, you know, people are really excited. They go to prenatal classes, they read the books, and then their baby's born and they kind of move on to other things. But I, mm-hmm. I just never moved on to the other things. I just, mm-hmm. you know, it, it just <laughs> kept being the conversations that I wanted to be involved in. And I kept finding myself in rooms full of other people that were fascinated by this. And my journey didn't, I didn't take me, obviously, to be a midwife um, mm-hmm. for a, a number of reasons, but it did keep me... Um, yeah, it, I, I heard, once I heard somebody say she figured she could be more help at the, um, the head of the bed than, you know, down by the, than between, you know, mm. than delivering the baby, and that's sort of what mm. I came to too, right? Is, mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, and then after, mm. so then I had my my daughter four years later, and I had mm. significant postpartum depression and postpartum rage with my second, but not with my first, and I think that's when I really mm. realized is that support makes a difference, right? I, you mm. know, and in some ways I got really great support. In some ways support wasn't available to me. The kind of support I needed wasn't available to me. So, yeah. Well, and so we're looking at, you know, ni- 19 years ago, I'm guessing, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And of course the conversation around postpartum mood disorders and challenges in the postpartum weren't at the forefront like they are today. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And yet I still think, I still think that there are people who have postpartum mood issues who mm -hmm. don't know that that's what they have. Mm -hmm. Right. Who don't, and don't know where to go for help. Like I think Mm -hmm. the conversation Mm -hmm. happens in my circles and in your circles, Mm -hmm. but I, Mm -hmm. but you know, if, if you've been working as an accountant and, you know, then it's not, it can be more challenging. I guess care providers mm-hmm. are asking the question more, right? So They are. And, you know, now we have the internet. Back then we Good point. didn't have yeah. the internet. <laughs> and so, yeah. so access to information has definitely changed for us. But the experience of it, I'm imagining, hasn't. And so, I, you know, uh, we are, we're relating. Right. I'm relating a lot to what it is that you're sharing. And... Um, entered into the into the my my passion in the same ways mm-hmm. um and also had challenges in the postpartum period and i'm curious if if you can still remember you know 19 years ago what that was like for you when you say i had postpartum depression and rage mm-hmm. and are you okay with me asking that oh, question oh sure of course yeah yeah okay um can i remember what that was like for me um it was It was very scary. Hmm. Um, It was very, yeah, I think scary and also frustrating because I did feel like I was looking for help and I was looking for a way to feel better. And a lot of the things were not, I felt like a lot of the things were not available to me. Um, for financial reasons, um, mm. uh, for, you know, reasons of transportation. And also some mm. of it, I think, was because, you know, to be completely honest, I had had, hmm. so I'd had, <laughs> I'd had a home birth um, mm-hmm. and I um, chose to have a home birth without a registered midwife there. Mm-hmm. So I wow, our stories yeah. are getting even more. <laughs> more. <laughs> like, huh, I just admitted in public that I partook in a illegal act at the time. So, but that was my uh-huh. that was my choice at the time, uh-huh. and it was a, it was an excellent choice for me and my family. And, um, and so, and that and it was great. However, now working, mm-hmm. I work in the system, quote unquote, the system, and I know that there's public mm-hmm. health nurses, but I didn't, 
I didn't have right. access to a pol- I didn't even know and I didn't even know to phone like and so I went to family resource programs and that was really helpful like drop-ins that was great um I went to a Pacific postpartum support who do excellent work hmm. but I brought my baby with me and they said oh we don't bring our babies to this group and, and, I, and that, at the time, whether that, I, don't, I don't know if that's still their policy. Well, now I think they just have telephone. They don't really, they don't, they mm. lost a lot of the funding and they don't do the groups, I think, anymore. So, and I took that as a rejection. I think my depression, instead of me saying, you know, oh, I need to access help. This is something I really need. Can I leave my baby with my partner? Which I totally could have done. My depression made me say, oh, you're hopeless. There's nothing available mm. for you. Right? So looking mm. back, mm. I don't think it was, I think it was... A lot of it was the depression talking, right? Yeah. I'm, can can I dig? Can I ask a another question? Of yeah. And and keep digging at this a little. It's what I'm here for. <laughs> I think this. I, I, I think it's a. I think it's a really valuable story uh, for our listeners to relate to. And you spoke about the decision that you had made to have a home birth and and have a birth attendant who was not regulated oh. attend, mm-hmm. and. And my sense is, and I'm speaking both from my personal experience and professional experience, is that in such situations where that decision has come from such a place of feeling empowered Mm -hmm. and being Mm self-directed, that when shit hits the fan Mm -hmm. in the postpartum, Mm -hmm. it's like, what the F is wrong with me? Absolutely. Yeah. Because I I did all these right things, quote, (laughs) air quote, and I'm supposed to be flooded with all this oxytocin. And why am I struggling? So actually, I think for me, what it felt like is I had an amazing birth with my daughter. I had a good birth with my son. So he's the older one that he's now 23. Mm. You know, it was fine. It didn't go the way that I had expected it. We had planned a home birth. We ended up being in the hospital. Um, You know, there were things about it that I had to really reconcile. But with my daughter, I had an amazing, empowering, beautiful birth. I was high for about three days after that birth. Like I was, Mm. I felt Mm -hmm. like so fantastic. And I think I just crashed after, right? Like Mm. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it was, it was similar to what people, you know, who use drugs, like use substances to improve their mood. And then when they come off it, they, they crash. Like Mm. I just crashed because yeah. Mm. And I think that was, Mm. and then also, A lot of it, I think, was I had had, I was young. I was in my uh, mid-20s, which is young by, you know, a lot of women are having babies older. And um, I think it also, when I had my son, I felt like I was young, hip, cool, mother of one. And then we had Hmm. moved and I had my daughter and I just felt like it changed my identity being a mother of two to being a mother of one. And I, oh, that's cute. That's really and curious. I, yeah, and I think that it changed mm-hmm. how I thought about myself. And then also, I'm just really opening right up here. Also, I am not a person who loves domestic labor. Anybody will attest. I hate cooking. I'm a crappy mm. housekeeper. I mm. find cleaning just makes me crazy. And I don't like it at all. I like living in a clean space, um, but I don't mm-hmm. like doing that work. And when you have two small children, and I mean, mm-hmm. shout out to parents who have more than that, but you mm-hmm. are, you suddenly go from doing, you know, whatever you do in your day job, it can be dynamic and you feel appreciated and it's fast paced and there's a beginning, middle and end to a lot of tasks. And all of a sudden I was just mired in, you know, domestic work hmm. and that was not a great fit for me even though I desperately love being a mom and desperately love my children so Mm. yeah if I could have had a oh that's good a cook and a housekeeper I would have been a great mom (laughs) so I I don't think I would have had the same postpartum depression and financially that was not a possibility for my family at that time and it's not now either so yeah Mm -hmm. I I just (laughs) Yeah. I'm just, you know, <laughs> pausing. <laughs> yeah, feels pretty vulnerable be- to share all that. I get to be oh, well, so, yeah. well, thank yeah. you, because this is this is what I believe makes people like ourselves good therapists. Right. Um, because when we can 
you know, we're not relating by imposing our story on somebody else, mm-hmm. but we're real. Mm-hmm. And you, you've had a lived experience that enriches who you are today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's a, it's a powerful story. And I, I'm grateful that you're vulnerable with it. And I, and I'm really loving that we're relating on mm-hmm. it. And, and I love this word domestic labor because I'm so passionate about, <laughs> uh, about it, this, it, yeah. well, just this week. Okay. <laughs> well, I, you yeah. know, this statement has been, let me just finish this and then pick up where, whatever your, your thought is. But this week I'm like, I am done being domesticated. Mm-hmm. You know, what does this mean to be domesticated? Mm -hmm. It's such an interesting concept that so many of us, especially mothers, really start to experience and um, there's tension with Mm -hmm. it. You know, some people, some people really relax into it and I think find the beauty Mm -hmm. in it and love Mm -hmm. it. And I feel like it has crushed a wild aspect of me. And, Mm -hmm. and so... Okay, go mm-hmm. ahead. And, and Whatever's yeah, I mean, coming I, up for you. And I completely agree. Like, I think, I mean, I have, I know people who they just, it's their creative expression to make a batch of cupcakes and that's how they feel great about themselves. But like, if I never cook another muffin in my life, I will be perfectly happy. And I, we were talking before we started airing about the internet and how it's great because people can access information and they can access resources. But I think... The other side of that is that it has, mm. in a way, you know, there's a the joke about the Pinterest mom. And I think that's, mm. in a way, it has set a standard for people. In a way, it's easier to find your tribe, as they say. But in another way, mm. it's really set people up, like, to, for comparison to other parents and mm. other types of parents. So. So, so let's go with that thread. Um, so both personally and professionally, are you noticing a difference so remembering back to when, so my oldest is 18. Mm. So remembering back to that time period mm-hmm. and how we related and our perception of motherhood. And then what are you noticing today in your profession um, that, that seems different? And why, why yeah. You mean, because, you mean because of the internet? Because of internet and this idea of setting up this standard. Like, does mm. that, does, do you hear that from mothers that the social media and the internet is creating a false image of what a good mom is. I feel, I mean, yes, I think it's what a good mom is, what a good person is. Right. I think it's just, it's Mm. display. I'm I'm not, I'm certainly not anti-technology and I definitely think the internet has made things better for people in general, like I'm not, you know, I, Mm -hmm. because I love connection and I think it has allowed people to connect and people to find like-minded people and find support in a way that just wasn't accessible. Right. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. um, so I think that that is a, that's a fantastic thing, Mm -hmm. but I do think, yes, that it allows people to, yes, that it sets, it can set a standard um definitely i i yeah so i think people have to be careful with what they Mm. consume and what they don't consume and i'm the worst offender for that and actually just deleted facebook and instagram from my phone for 24 Mm -hmm. hours and it was liberating i mean 24 Mm. hours yeah (laughs) white knuckling well i i just deleted facebook totally deactivated my account yeah because this isn't doing me any good right so yeah. yeah so i think both I think it can be a great tool for connection, but you need to be careful and be reminded that you can't compare yourself to, you know, to, yeah, what other people are, are doing. And that we all, we all have strengths. I mean, I'm not great at, I don't really like cooking or cleaning or doing those sort of domestic things, but I have other strengths as a person and other strengths as a parent. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think that's, it's important to remember, you know, that, certainly there's things that that are not our strengths but there's we all bring something to Mm -hmm. our experience of parenthood right so Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah and and that something I believe is is the story that we're weaving as a mother Mm -hmm. and and that it's incumbent upon us 
to find that yeah. to to kind of and to and to bear witness to it and um that when we claim it mm-hmm. that it being how we're showing up as a mother like what our strengths mm-hmm. are and um the the unique the unique kind of aspects of mm-hmm. it, right? That aren't labeled that, you know, mm-hmm. I, you know, when we're mm-hmm. I'm kind of going on a tangent yeah, no, but here. I but think it's, yeah. And also I think for me, it's, it's a real mm-hmm. process of owning it that even though my children are young adults, I'm still engaged in, like, I still have to remind myself regularly, you know, that mm-hmm. it's okay to not know what you're going to have for dinner at five o'clock. <laughs> you know, that doesn't make me a bad person and a bad parent. I provide mm. for my children and I provide for myself and my family in other ways. Right. Mm. So that it's not a measure mm. of my worth. So, so I'm curious, did you always have this passion? Um, so you've talked about your passion about serving, um, pregnant people and and becoming a doula and 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 so as you were a young mom Mm -hmm. were you struggling internally with being a mom obviously being domesticated and then also having this passion that was driving you um no I felt like the two things worked well together actually I felt and I mean probably a lot of that was because the people who I considered my community were engaged Mm in like you know it's still a joke like I will go see my friend she lives in Vancouver and I'm in Victoria now and our kids are you know now young adults but when we get together my daughter my 19 mm-hmm. year old daughter will say things like give them 10 minutes and they're talking about breastfeeding you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and so that I mean and so my mm-hmm. friends are still passionate about that field so I felt really um, supported in that way. And I felt like the two things worked well together mm. for me. I mean, it's always frustrating when you have, when you have your own aspirations and you have young children who demand your care. You mm. always, I mean, it's, if it's a, an act of patience to recognize that they're not always going to be so young and dependent, which actually I think is my, one of my strengths as a counselor is that mm. I don't have young children anymore Mm. and I'm able to take a bit of a long view and I think that can be a real comfort to somebody who's sort of in the thick of it right this is a season Mm. of your life Mm -hmm. it feels like it's your entire life right now but it is a season of your life and Mm. um, you know and there will come a time when you are able to I mean I went back to school and got my master's degree in my 40s and when Mm. my kids Uh, uh, my kids were little when I was 30 I couldn't even I couldn't even see that that was going to be a remote possibility. I just thought this was my life forever, but there, you know, mm. it does pass. So and you are able to sort of put your head above water and yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So. I really like that. This is a season. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it, and it goes by faster than you mm-hmm. think. <laughs> and also, I mean, some people and I've, you know, for some parents, they they do make more space for their own aspirations when their children are little. And I think that's a valid choice, too. I mean, I chose to sort mm-hmm. of put a lot of that on hold when my kids were little. But a lot of parents don't. I mean, they continue their career mm-hmm. or their business or whatever it is they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, you know, they find a way to make that work. They're exhausted because of the whole second mm-hmm. shift. But, you know, I think I chose mostly to to you know, be home and mm-hmm. by be home, I mean, be at the park or be at my friend's house, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 I do know yeah. what you mean. And, and that's kind of where I wanted to go was um, to speak a bit about your experience of working with moms who are struggling with that split identity mm-hmm. of, you know, being the mom and uh, wanting to work mm-hmm or needing to work. Mm-hmm. I think there's two very different motivational factors mm-hmm. there. And, and how, you know, what you've experienced, what you see, what you, how, how you, how you support moms in that. Cause this is a big one. Yeah. And I, I think the, I think the key for that is to a remind people of that long view and that it's a season, but also to know that the answer is not, the answer is individual for each person and for each family. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's mm-hmm. not a matter of making up your mind, okay, this is what I'm going to do. It's a matter mm. of every, I mean, I, it sounds exhausting, but every day figuring out, okay, how can I find that balance? How can I get what I need? 
and still make sure the little people whose lives I'm responsible for get what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think that just sort of helping people to, you know, to really listen about about what's going to feel good for them at the end mm-hmm. of the day. Um, mm-hmm. and And also just, I think, you know, people often make their choices. And and they sit with their choices, and it's working. But what they need mm. is con- is the reassurance and the validation. It's just another person to say, "You're going to be okay. Your children are going to be okay. You're making a good choice for you." And just because I think that that's even I think that's one of the tricky things about having young children mm. is it when you're doing a good job, it doesn't feel like you're doing a good job. So there's other things in life, like Mm. in your career, or if you're, you know, pursuing some other goal, you know what it feels like when it's working well. But I think so much of parenting, you're doing a good job. And you, and you're struggling, and those things can coexist. Mm -hmm. So just really validating that for, Mm -hmm. for people, right? Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, what a wonderful observation, because it's absolutely true that we just don't get that feedback loop in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. You know, it's like, I'm doing a good job, but my kid's still screaming at absolutely. me every day. Yeah. Or I'm still or... super exhausted or yeah. yeah, all that kind of stuff. Right. You know, I didn't feed them well today. Yeah. Or... And yeah. And they're yeah. going to be okay. I mean, and also sometimes I think, you know, they're going to be okay or not. I mean, mm-hmm. my young adult children are wonderful and I'm very proud of who they are. But they're their own people. And there comes a point at which they can't look back and be like, well, mom, you didn't do this. Mom, you didn't do that. It's like there comes a point mm-hmm. at which, you know, I did the best I could. And now you're responsible for your own, your mm-hmm. own life, right? And I'm still here for you, but you're an adult. So, yeah. So I think mm-hmm. that's, and I think, I mean, seeing friends of mine whose children struggle with certain things, they struggle with addiction, they struggle with mental health and it's you know hard not to take that on as a parent and be like oh this is because I gave him that cheesy that one time and you know Hmm. all that sort Mm -hmm. of stuff this is because I chose to work or this is because I didn't breastfeed long enough or this is because I did breastfeed too long right so you can really Hmm. sort of yeah at some point you have to just be like I did the best I could I made the best choices I could at the time yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because they're human beings they're not you know, they're not robots. So, yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Do you remember um, when you recognized that your child was their own being? Do you remember that point of time? I think for me, and maybe mm-hmm. this is true for many families, when you have your second child <laughs> and you mm. realize that your second child is incredibly different from your first child. <laughs> right? mm. And therefore, they are not a perfect combination of you and your partner. <laughs> you mean the golden child is the first yeah. child? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. I mean, no. <laughs> my ch- yes. But I think that, you know, with my son, we kind of thought we had it down. And, um, and then my daughter came along and they're just very different. They have, they're very different people with very different temperaments and very different gifts. And I think that was when I realized that only so much of this is, um, you know, is genetics or is nature and nurture. And a lot of this is just, you know, what they show up with in the world. So, mm-hmm, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Cause she shows up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah right we don't know, we right don't know where she came from so yeah <laughs> I mean I remember being pregnant with my second child and I wasn't ready to have a second child and that kind of was the instigator in the beginning of my experience of prenatal and postpartum depression right. mm-hmm. you know although it wasn't called that I do remember when my midwife said to me I think you're depressed mm. And I remember my mind thinking, like, F you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then I moved away. Right. <laughs> Easier but, to move um, away than it is to admit you're depressed, right? Yeah. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And there's a whole story in that. But, uh, you know, moms often struggle 
with the idea of having another child mm-hmm. and how can I love this second child as much as I've loved my first child? Mm-hmm. And it can be a very scary time mm-hmm. for moms. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I'm curious what your experience both professionally and personally is with that. Well, my children are four years apart and um, which by some standards is a long time. I guess it felt like we were waiting. Many of my friends seem to have kids a couple years apart. Um, and I felt, yeah, I can really relate to what you're saying. Cause I certainly felt that I didn't have, t- I mean, when my son was two, I just felt like I did not have the emotional space. Never mind the financial and the mental and the physical like space in our house, but emotionally loving Mm -hmm. him was such a total experience um, Mm -hmm. that I absolutely, it took me, you know, three years to wrap my head around the fact that there may be room in my heart for another child. So I think it really was, yeah, a process of, yeah, yeah, it was really, Hmm. And I'm not sure what it, what got me there, what got me to that hmm. place. But I do think, and of course, when, and I feel like one of the things that contributed to my postpartum depression was this child that I had loved so much, who was now four, um, suddenly seemed kind of irritating to me more than he had before my daughter. So, I mean, it was really, it was really challenging Um you know, people say, oh, your heart just opens up and you, you know, immediately mm-hmm. have space for these two. And I'm not sure that that was exactly true. I think it, it took some time to come to mm. that place. I mean, similar to when people say, oh, the minute you look at your baby, you just fall in love. And, and you know, that's experience for a lot of people. But there's other people that are like, meh, you know, after they were born, I could have taken them or leaving them. And, you know, really, it took me several months to get around, you know, to get to a place where I fell in love and I feel like yeah it did take me a little while to to sort of figure out my emotional reserves and my emotional capacity to love both of these beings yeah Hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah wow you're good I never thought of that before yeah (laughs) (laughs) in that way yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. mm. I, I mean, I just loved how you said, you know, your heart was just so full mm-hmm. and that, mm-hmm. and, and I could just viscerally connect to that mm-hmm. memory of, of feeling that and simultaneously grieving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, was, and I was, yeah, yeah I was so, yeah. you know, personally, so, so not ready to share that mm-hmm. space. So what a beautiful mm-hmm. way of articulating mm-hmm. that, right? Creating space in my emotional mm-hmm heart for another. And I think what you said about the grieving process is that is entirely true. And I think often under, mm. under acknowledged is that I remember, mm. you know, when I was pregnant with my daughter feeling like every day that it was just me and my son, every day that it was just me and my son and my partner was a special day, right? Because we mm. were going to go from this tight little unit of three and things would be forever changed when we were four. And it has been, right? So you really lose that. You lose mm. your three and you have your four. And although it's good and it's positive, there is a loss there, right? So, mm. yeah, with, with, with every mm. new addition of a, of a child, right? So, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Again, well said. And, and this touches on the, the idea of disenfranchised grief, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is um, something that is a huge component mm-hmm. of... Mm-hmm many experiences within the childbirth continuum, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about grief that is connected to fertility challenges, mm-hmm. grief that's connected to miscarriages. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, there's obvious grief that's connected to uh, a stillborn mm-hmm. or a loss, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but then there's the grief of, you know, not having the dream birth. Then there's the grief associated with birth trauma. Mm-hmm. And then there's these other layers of grief, which is the grief of identity mm-hmm. and the grief now of, oh, I'm going from three to four mm-hmm. or four to five. Mm-hmm. And each layer is a letting mm-hmm. go, which you mm-hmm. know, brings mm-hmm. up grief. And of course, we don't value we, grief. In we our don't. Culture. And if it's not acknowledged, <laughs> then it's just sort of this feeling out there, this kind of, 
you know, vague feeling of discomfort or sadness with, you know, without really being named, it's, it's not possible to process. Where I see this a lot in my practice is, is parents who are expecting a subsequent baby after a loss. And everyone's like, this is so great. We're so happy for you. This is so fantastic. And they're thinking, well, wait a minute. Like, yes, I'm happy. Yes, I'm excited. Yes, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm about to have a baby. Or I've just had a baby that I've always wanted but it's making the sadness and the grief of the first loss exquisite, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and there's really no space for that, I find, for a lot of people expecting what they call a rainbow mm-hmm. baby, right? So, and I think that's something that we're really doing parents a disservice by not saying, you know, in those rooms, hey, you know, I understand that this child was supposed to have a big, you know, have an older sibling. And, mm-hmm. you know, I know that you're thinking about it, but I just want you to acknowledge that, you know, this may be hard for you. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would, I would agree um, experientially as well mm-hmm. that that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, really, really good, <laughs> really rich. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot there, right? So, yeah, it, really, yeah, it does change. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so honored to to do this work is because our experience of of parenthood changes who we are it changes every aspect of our life so yeah I uh, yes and and just kind of connecting to that idea of changing who we are Mm -hmm. I I have a statement in which I believe that you know motherhood is way far out on the edges and and not at the center in our um, western cultural perspectives Mm -hmm. and and uh that i believe that um personally that you know putting motherhood and valuing motherhood or parenthood Mm -hmm. in the center Mm -hmm. changes so much Mm -hmm. and i'm wondering if you can relate to that statement or your thoughts on that i mean i would you know i mean i i agree and at the same time i think sometimes parenthood is valued only so much as it can be commodified. So if somebody can make money (laughs) off of it, then, you know, I mean, I just remember reading that the self-care industry is like a billion dollar industry now, Hmm. right? They're marketing wine to moms, like they're connecting those two things, right? So, you know, Hmm. if somebody can make money off of it, then it is, um, then it they then they'll put it at the center of it, right? So I think that's right. In that way, and at the same time, I'm... and and so this is and so let's go with that because um, I often um, have moms who are struggling to find value in something that's not commodified or valued, right? Mm-hmm. And and so what we're talking about here is an intrinsic value. Mm-hmm. But when we are living in the ways in which we live, where there's almost no map of that because it's been devastated, mm-hmm. you know, we're, re- we're needing to redefine what that intrinsic value mm-hmm. is and, ha- and help people anchor mm-hmm. in that, you know, which are invisible qualities, mm-hmm. you know, versus the obvious. Mm-hmm. And... Um, selling of the you know selling so, of the cupcakes yeah, or whatever right? or selling of the pedicure yeah. or selling of the yeah, yeah um the essential oil for self-care right I've nothing against essential oil I didn't mean to say but you know there's lots of things that that, yeah. they, that they yeah so and I think for me the challenge has been and you know as I've you know, as I've traveled on my journey, for lack of a better word, I think one of the things that's been difficult for me to reconcile is how do you value the the labor of motherhood, the emotional labor, the mental labor, and at the same time, hold feminist values and realize mm-hmm. that you don't want to over glorify and be like, oh, a woman's place is to be a mother and women belong sitting in a rocking chair nursing their baby. And there's great value mm-hmm. in that. So because I mean, that isn't our, our worth as women. right? Mm-hmm. So I think for me, it's been really hard reconciling both that it's valuable, both that it can be essential and transformative and really help women and, and people, because you know, men mm-hmm. are, men become parents as well, um, mm-hmm. and 
so to really honor that and make space for that and, and value this experience while also honoring and making space for people who don't choose to do that or who choose to do that and still retain it and not make it necessarily the focus of your life because you can still, mm-hmm. you, you can make choices that don't involve spending every second with your baby and, um, mm-hmm. you know, breastfeeding them until they're, um, you know, five, six years old, all that kind of stuff. Right. So mm-hmm. I think that for me, that has been, that has been the challenge of how do you value that and say that this, you know, has worth and this is a cultural rite of passage and that, um, you know, children, people deserve to have opportunities that, you know, include their children and we need more, more spaces available for that. And at the same time say, you know, if you are a person who chooses not to reproduce, that is a valid choice as well. I hope Mm. I expressed that Mm -hmm. properly. Oh, I, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you, you, you you're expressing it in your lived experience of it. And I know we're kind of hashing out some concepts here and we're dancing Mm -hmm. on the edges because we don't want to, we want to be inclusive. And yeah, we absolutely. Sure I, mean, I just, I just, yeah. I don't know if you've read this thing, but you know, of course, we, I follow a lot of things on the social media that I just said that I got rid of. But I follow <laughs> a lot of things on that, and you know, somebody just pointed out, like, and I have said this to people countless times. You know, one of the great things about breastfeeding is, is it's free. And somebody just posted and said, "It's only free if you don't value women's time," and. That blew me open. I was just, oh mm. my goodness, right? So, like, you know when I'm, ju- I'm just uh, kind of letting that sink in. You know when in, something it's... shifts for you and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, my yeah, yeah, goodness, yeah. like the door, yeah. the door just yeah, opened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, yeah, I, fi- yeah. I have spent, as many people have, countless hours breastfeeding. Glad I did it. Yeah, Wouldn't yeah. change it, yeah. but it certainly wasn't free, yeah. right? So. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, right. Uh, just yeah. So and so, I think we have to be really huh. careful to be, you know, and that sort of argues both ways. Is that this has value, right? This work that we do has value. It is not free, right? It mm. is coming. Uh, and are you talking about parenthood? I'm talking about. Can you say the work? Yeah, I'm talking about parenthood. When, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right? The work that we yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of forget the question already, but yeah. No, that's okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> just clarifying. We're talking about parenthood having value, yeah. not just our, our work as therapists. Right. Yeah. No, no, no. Value. I'm talking about, yeah. Yeah. about parenthood having value. Yeah. That's huge value. Yeah. 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 So, Jill, this is a really rich conversation and I'm, I'm definitely enjoying it. And I think that there's a lot of wonderful substance for our listeners to connect with and relate to and consider. And our time is coming to an end. And I would like to kind of do a bit of an up and out. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that means. Can you tell me what that means? (laughs) Uh, Up and out means like we kind of went down. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. So an up and out would be like, let's lighten this up a little. And, uh, and so what are your, what are your takeaways, your suggestions, your inspirations in terms of messages that you can offer moms in the postpartum who are just in the muck and you want to lift them up? Well, I think, um, I think the very first thing, and this is really challenging to do when you're, um, when it seems so day by day and the days just blend into each other is to really realize that having a baby who's one month old is very different from having a baby who is six months old, who is very different from having a baby who is a year old. So I'm very future focused. So for me, that's fairly easy, um, you know, to project to a time when it's going to get easier, but it is easier. It does get easier. And um, like Mm. the actual work of it does get easier. And then the other, the other thing is, when you feel overworked and when everything is really, really hard, um, it's hard physically, it's hard emotionally, it's hard mentally. It, that's the, the, it's so hard to reach out at that time. Um, it's so hard to find your support. But I think just keep 
looking for your support until you find what you need um, hmm. is what I would what I would say to people there there is support available um, and hmm. if you can't afford counseling then there's you know here in, in BC Pacific Postpartum Support Society has support by text you know we have the internet use it to get the support that you need if you're feeling isolated or if you're in a rural area um, so I think that, that that's something that I feel, um, yeah, that I feel it can be challenging, but you never know when the the support that's going to make the difference is going to mm-hmm. show up in your life. Um, well, mm-hmm. anyway, you know, go ahead. Well, I was going to ask, what, what do you perceive as having really made a difference for you? Um, what? What what really supported you? <laughs> well, if my friend Mel- <laughs> if my <laughs> if my friend Melissa is listening to this, um, it was mm. I connected with another mom, my friend Melissa, mm-hmm. and um, so just mm-hmm. shout out to her because really um, having you don't need a huge tribe, you know what I mean? You don't need ten people. You need one or two right. solid friends that you can say. Do you know what I am? I I can't. Today's not a good day, and I need to come over. And um, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or I need you to come. I need you to come over. And so my friend has four children. I had two, and our kids are all sort of around the same age. And our partners were working, and we really we did it together. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was the thing that for me. And that's I think in a lot of societies that's how you raise children, right? Is with your mm-hmm. with your sisters, your cousins, your aunts everybody sort of helping out right and we are we don't do that so well here so for me I would I would relate yeah, to that I mean, too you oh, know that's what saved yeah. me all the mom's groups all, all the therapy yeah. really it was it was my friend Melissa mm-hmm. <laughs> right yeah so yeah mm-hmm. I don't know how people do it without that I mean in the absence of I mean, I don't live in the same place as my parents and my sister. So we didn't have that sort of extended family that a lot of people have. And mm-hmm. so I found my extended family and it was, it was my close girlfriends who were in the thick of it with me. You know, I remember I couldn't be in my home. Mm-hmm. And so for me to get through the days, it was yep. getting my kids out of the home and going to my girlfriend's houses Absolutely. with their kids. Mm-hmm. And, but there would be this low grade guilt that I was abandoning the home. I wasn't right. cooking or cleaning or prepping or, you know, yeah. and so there was this tension. Mm-hmm. And now looking back, I, I understand that the fact that I listened to that urge, mm-hmm. you know, I need to get out of my home and I need to be with these women so mm-hmm. we can raise our kids together mm-hmm. actually is what supported me through those, mm-hmm. through those early days. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's only been since about the fifties when people uh-huh. became suburbanized that yeah. we really were isolated in our own homes in nuclear families. Right. But before that people lived either rurally and like in villages or often in apartment buildings where there were other people around. So Mm. yeah, that whole notion of the nuclear family alone in the home is a relatively Mm -hmm. recent phenomenon and it's not doing us a lot of good. So no, I would agree. Uh And that will open up a whole other conversation. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Next time. So I really, Uh, I, so I really think keep looking until you find those people um, is, yeah, is the, yeah, for me, that's what helped. Absolutely. And it can be one. Yeah. It can be one person, Absolutely. like you said. It doesn't yeah. have to be a huge tribe. Yeah. And sometimes, unfortunately, yeah. like sometimes I think some people probably have that in their partner, but I didn't. My partner was working. And he's, yeah. I mean, my ex partner, God love mm-hmm. him, but he is even less domestic than I am. So that was a. <laughs> you needed a no, Mary Poppins. I, I did, yeah, yeah. And I had that in my friend, right? So, yeah, Beautiful. it was good. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Jill, do you have any final thoughts or comments or wishes that you would like to share with our listeners before we close? Um, no. <laughs> I mean, I think I just want to reiterate what I said, that it, that there is help available. And also, I mean, I think, yes, I do. I do. There okay. is, okay. we talked a little bit before about how there is more awareness about postpartum mood disorders, as, as they call them. Um, and I think that there is more awareness, but at the same time, people still continue to struggle on their own. And without being, I mean, I know you want to be up and out, and this is, this is a little bit, 
um, okay. serious, but I just want to say is that I think what we now know is that at its worst, it can be disastrous. So mm-hmm. if you feel like you need help and if you feel like you're struggling and if you feel like you're on the edge, just keep in mind that you are worth it, right? I mean, it's worth mm-hmm. it for you to get the help that you need and that there's no shame in that and that this disease takes people out. It doesn't just rob people of a good postpartum experience, but it can have much worse consequences. So, yeah. And on that happy light note, no, I didn't mean to like <laughs> to go there. So, yeah. Sure. So. Well, let's let's connect the listeners to the work that you do. Mm-hmm. And I know that you offer both in-person and online counseling mm-hmm. and that, <clears throat> excuse me, clearing a frog. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> and so they can learn more about you in the bio that will be linked to this podcast. Absolutely. But, but what's really fueling you right now? What are you digging into right now? Um, what exactly do you mean? What is exciting you? What are you passionate about? Mm-hmm. What, you know, what's going on for you right now that's lighting your fire? I think I'm passionate about being in a place where I can help people get the help that I you know, wasn't able to access. So I think that, you know, um, that is what is lighting my fire. And also, you know, mentioned, you mentioned in the bio that I work with um, doulas and birth workers. And I think that that is also really important work because I think the more resources that they have, they're often in that unique space of helping women. They're often the frontline person that people go to other than their, their doctor or their care provider, but often it's less threatening to go to their doula for, um, mm. mood issues and mental health stuff and, and that sort of stuff. So I think empowering doulas to have some mm-hmm. of the tools and the skills to recognize that and refer people on to, um, mm. you know, to therapy or to groups is, is that also really fuels me. Often when I was starting my doula work, I didn't feel prepared to work with women who are experiencing those challenges. So I think mm. that is really exciting to me is putting the, um, mm. the tools in the hands of doulas and birth workers. Mm, wonderful wonderful well thank you again jill for coming on thank you thank you for having this podcast yeah thank you for doing the work that you do thank you yes it was wonderful and so again this is jill culver and you can uh, reach her in the bio and it's jillculver.ca correct oh yeah .ca Mm -hmm. yes Mm -hmm. Yes. dot com is somebody different who also i mean she's amazing but it's different. <laughs> That's good to know. No, she's going to get a whole bunch of website hits and she's going to be like, what's going on? Yeah. But I'm, I'm uh, .ca. You'll figure out the difference pretty quick. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. Okay. So I want